this one. And seeing the multitudes, he, that's Jesus, of course, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the land or the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in the heavens. For, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I, I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar... And there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. 
and cast it from you. It's, it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her, give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Again, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, don't swear at all neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it's his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you can't make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give, give to him who asks you. And from, who wants to, from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. <clears throat> Let's pray. Uh, Father, as I, as I think about that last line, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Suppose, um, suppose I'm struck with a sense of awe that Jesus would say such a thing. And yet, if you are right and if you are true and good, it, it just makes sense for us to be like you. For us to want to be like you. Just as my kids bear my image, so you've made us your children, that we would carry your image, Lord. that our character would be being transformed as we daily follow Jesus so that we begin to think and, and act and speak more like you, more like Jesus, our Savior. 
This is an impossibility. It is impossible. Lest you help us. So, Father, would you be our help, I pray, <laughs> so that more people, so that the, the angelic realm around us, so that they would see how good and how glorious you are as they see us, Lord. I pray <coughs> that you would be honored with us, and I, I ask that you would teach us today. Please, Lord, speak to us by your Spirit, I pray. And do it in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. 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 Um, so one of the things I wanted to establish as we got into um, this sermon was that even as, as instructive and frankly in a lot of ways as difficult as this sermon of Jesus is, this teaching, the Sermon on the Mount is, given to these crowds of people from all over Israel, um, as he's sort of in this height of his popularity at this point. Um, as difficult as it is, I wanted you to understand, and, and I hope that we can begin to see it this way, that it really begins to be good news for these people. Jesus had said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was the beginning of his message. It was the same message that John the Baptist had previously shared uh, before. And we find in uh, the other gospel stories that uh, John was giving specific instructions about how people did that. He spoke to certain groups of people and he said, if you're doing this, then stop and do this. If you're doing this, then stop and do this, you know, because uh, they asked him what that looked like, right, to, to change their minds and to, um, uh, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, to repent. So Jesus, it seems, is doing something very similar. He's showing us what the constitution of his kingdom is like. What is the kingdom of heaven like? What does it look like? The people who are in God's kingdom, what do their lives look like? <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenging thing. Uh, but the beginning part, as we read last week, as we read through what's uh, commonly called the Beatitudes, what I, what I was really wanting to show us, I'm not sure that I did, uh, was that uh, if you are if you are driven and full of of esteem, if you are proud and arrogant and and um, caught up in the system of the world the, that is driven by, like John says in First John, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If that's what characterizes a person's life, then the kingdom of heaven is going to look so upside down, so backwards to you. But if you're a person who is quietly, maybe patiently, wanting to live in a way that's right, and keep in mind a couple of things. Keep in mind a couple of setting issues. One, this is, this is before the crucifixion. This is before the resurrection. This is prior to the enabling of the Holy Spirit given in, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. This is before all of that. We could look at what's being taught here as another prophet speaking to the nation of Israel. One of the things that sometimes maybe we discount is this reality that, that people can try to pursue God. They can try to pursue holiness. 
we find that in, in what I mean is prior to Jesus coming, right? We find uh, about Noah that he was right in the eyes of the Lord because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, right? But he was a righteous man, the text says, you know. And then we find several people throughout the Old Testament and several people in other places where that was their testimony. Think of like Zacharias and Elizabeth. The scripture says about them, John the Baptist's parents, that they were righteous as far as the keeping of the law. They were obedient to God, right? These were people who were patiently, quietly just serving God, just living their lives, wanting to do right. So now if you're a person like that, who, who recognizes that in the world system driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, you don't really get real far in that system <laughs> by pursuing humility, by letting others go first. The people that tend to be on the top are those who use the system to their advantage. And oftentimes that leaves a trail of bodies behind them. Sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. <laughs> so if you're that kind of person and now you hear this, this rabbi, this new teacher, Jesus, come on the scene and, and he, the first thing he says in this public multitudes of people gather. The first part of this message is, blessed are the poor in spirit. You might say, whoa. Well, this is a little different. Because usually we say, well, blessed are the self-righteous. Blessed are those who are proud of themselves. Right? That's kind of the, the you know, Tony Robbins style, right? <laughs> or whatever, you know, the self-help guru. Jesus says, no, blessed are the ones who, who are poor in their spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Not those forcing their way with a heavy hand. The meek, he says. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I think, man, what am I pursuing? <laughs> you know, what am I really pursuing with my life? Am I pursuing the things the world is pursuing? Prestige and, and honor and, and money? Is that what I'm pursuing? Am I pursuing more status? Or am I really hungering and thirsting after doing what's right, after righteousness? Blessed are the merciful, right? those who show mercy to others. This is, uh, I, I think, could be a characteristic uh, and ought to be a characteristic of the lives of us who are in the kingdom of heaven, right? The merciful, that means not feeling like you've got to repay everybody for what they do wrong to you. That's what it means to show mercy. It means not repaying evil for evil. Um... <clears throat> I'll talk about that a little bit more in a sec because I think it's um, really important. But blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. You don't get any recognition for that. <laughs> you, don't get a, you don't get a banner to hang up that says, I am so pure in heart. Right? In fact, if you get to a place where you begin to declare that, you probably aren't anymore. Right? <laughs> <coughs> Now you're tainted with some pride, right? <laughs> blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
there's an activeness to the to that idea of being a peacemaker as well. Not just those who try to keep the peace. That's different. And frankly, uh, can't be done for everybody, right? Sometimes people try and please everybody, and somebody's going to be disappointed one way or another. But maybe we one of the reasons why we do that, while we try and, when we try and please everybody, is to absolve ourselves of responsibility when we say, well, I can't do this thing, so that person's upset, but it's not my fault because I'm already doing this thing that so-and-so else asked me to do. You know? So we try and absolve ourselves of the responsibility that we're the ones who made the choice to do one thing and not another thing. <clears throat> Blessed are the peacemakers. I think, are there areas where I could be pursuing, where I could be looking to make peace? Maybe there are issues of uh, peace maybe in our marriages that we need to be pursuing. Maybe there are issues of peace with our children or our parents that we need to be pursuing to make peace. Maybe there are issues with people at work where we need to make peace, right? Uh, maybe there are issues uh, with, with our past where we need to make peace or issues with, with uh, something like racial reconciliation, right? Which is um, still such a big deal. Sadly so. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That doesn't really sound like the the Constitution people want to sign up for, right? <laughs> but we follow our King, and He was crucified first, right? Before the crown uh, um, comes the cross, that kind of idea. Right? He died first, and then He was raised from the dead. And we're united together in the likeness of His death, knowing that we'll be united together in the likeness of His resurrection. <clears throat> Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And keep in mind the crowd that's listening to this, this Jewish crowd of people hearing Jesus talk about being persecuted. They, they haven't had a real independence for some time at this point. They're under Roman occupation uh, during this time. Eventually, it would it would only be... Uh, 30 or so years, maybe 40 years, before uh, Jerusalem itself would be destroyed by the Roman armies. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's this incredible thing that the, the people that God spoke to that delivered his message were almost universally rejected <laughs> by the people that God sent them to. And I've had to seriously ask myself this question several times and still do. Do I really want to say what God wants me to say? Because I want people to like me. <laughs> I do. Call it a fault. <laughs> But sometimes you have to say things that people don't want to hear. And sometimes it can cost you your life. It, it did for many of the prophets. <clears throat> it did for Jesus. Even though they took his words and they twisted them in order to make a fake argument, a fake case against him, still he submitted. Still he died. 
rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Does that bring a smile to your face? <laughs> if I have no concept of the resurrection from the dead, then no. But if I, if I see beyond just the material world around us, right? if I try to be something other than a material girl, living in a material world. <laughs> That's an old reference, sorry. <laughs> if I am embracing the reality that there is resurrection from the dead, that there is a coming kingdom, there's something of the kingdom here now with us, with those who believe him, with those who've trusted in Jesus and been born again, absolutely true. The reign of the Spirit of God in our lives is absolutely a reality. You've been born from above if you have trusted Him. It's something that He has done. But the Scriptures point us forward over and over and over again. And also point us back. They point us forward to something that was before. To an, a garden. But not the old garden, a new garden paradise, a restoration of what was lost in the beginning, what was forfeited through man's rebellion. This is why Jesus can say rejoice and be exceeding, be really, really glad, because they treated everybody that was obedient to God like that. <laughs> they persecuted them. They didn't listen. They rejected them. One time they threw Jeremiah in a pit. Just let him sit there for a while. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. If I don't think there's a resurrection, that there is a repayment in heaven, right? There is a, uh, something that's going to happen from God in response to our obedience to him. We call this reward, right? I don't know exactly what this looks like. I don't know what this exactly is going to be. The scriptures uh, don't tell me what that is. But I am, I'm in a place where I'm saying, Lord, I, I trust you. And if you have said that the reward that we would receive from you will be so much greater than whatever the present difficulty or present suffering was that I endured in order to remain faithful to you, you've said that it would not even be a comparable exchange. Because the reward would be so much greater. Then I find myself saying, Lord, I, I, I just want to trust you. I, I don't know exactly what that looks like. But if there is this perfect kingdom where there is only righteousness and there is no sickness nor death and the former things have all passed away and there's no more crying, <coughs> then, then frankly, just being there, is, that's enough. I mean, like this idea of utopia... Is uh, it's it's so f it's funny, and I say funny, and like it's ironic in this way. Like, we live in a world that's saying we want everyone to you know have utopia. We want every everybody to be okay, right? And people are like trying to drive that thing, right? But we can't have that because we're a mess. <laughs> we're driven by the lust of our bodies. The desires of our bodies, the desires of our eyes, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, and so we won't have that until something changes. 
And Jesus told us that, the scriptures tell us that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. Death is swallowed up in victory because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the bodies we're in now, subject to decay and, and sickness and, and eventually death. See, even if somehow we were able to all agree with each other about everything and share everything together as human society, which is like the misnomer that people want to drive to, but uh, has to be led by somebody. And unfortunately, the only people to lead government are people who are selfish <laughs> and will always make sure they have enough, even if there's not enough for everyone else. And it Frankly, if they have the power, they'll make sure they have more than enough. <clears throat> because they're just like you. You always want to make sure you have more than enough, don't you? Me too. And then this rabbi comes in and says, pray like this. Give us today our daily bread. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So verse 13 says this, you are the salt of the earth. That doesn't mean that you should be salty with people. <laughs> Sorry, you know, little turn of phrase we have there. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Um, I really struggled with that verse for a while, that second part. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? because I'm very literal <laughs> in like everything. So it's just, it's just a very simple idea of how can you make it salty again, right? <laughs> if the salt has lost its saltiness, right? How in the world can you restore that? Right? It's not good for anything. At that point, when salt gets to that point, the only thing you do with it is just throw it out. Just pave the roads with it, you know? And of course, that's something that was done and, is still at times. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. These two statements, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Who's he speaking to? This giant, this multitudes of Jewish people from all over Israel. God had said, and we read a little bit of it last week, but uh, he used Moses to say in the book of Deuteronomy that when Israel obeyed him, that they would be essentially a pinnacle of all other nations. They would be like this, salt, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. I think of, when I think of light of the world, I think of, um, or, or even as he goes on to explain, um, when he continues and he says, uh, a city that's set on a hill can't be hidden, right? Like imagine like a real hilly type of country. Tallahassee has some hills. Israel itself is a very, very hilly country. Uh, they say mountains in Israel, but most of them are just like real big hills. <laughs> um, it's very, very hilly country. But if, a, if there's a city that's in a valley down in a bottom part in between different rises, different mountains, you can be traveling for a while and not see that it's there, right? But if a city's on the top of one of those hills, on the top of that mountain, you can't hide that thing. It's right there, bro. Everybody can see it because it's standing up in front of everything. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, right? Imagine like lighting your lamp, you know, lighting your lamp and then just covering it with a basket. Wait a minute, what? Why'd you light the lamp? Right? 
It's a nonsensical thing to do. Nor did they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lamp stand. So they put it up somewhere on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The first section here, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I've heard all sorts of machinations about what this means. And I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure any of them are <laughs> really appropriate. You know what he's saying? He, it, it's very, I think it's very simple. If the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? If you are just like everything else, you who say you're, you love God and are following Him, you've been born again by the Spirit of God, if you're just like the world that doesn't know God, it's good for nothing. If God's kingdom is the same as every other kingdom of the world, it's useless. You're the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its flavor, it, you can't re-season it. It's good for nothing. It's just going to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And eventually, even though Israel should have been the salt of the earth, eventually that's what happens to them, right? God said that's what was going to happen. Even when you read through the uh, blessings and cursings at the end of the book of Deuteronomy that we read a little bit of last week, uh, even when you read through that, you'll find toward the end of it that God says, this stuff's going to happen. You're going to get the blessings and you're going to get the cursings because you're not going to obey <laughs> And I'm going to drive you into every country of the world, everywhere. And of course, what happened to the nation of Israel? That exact thing happened. Written in the Torah, written in the law of Moses, at the end of Deuteronomy, right before Moses is dying. Certainly he was a mighty prophet of God who spoke the truth about what would come. It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If God's kingdom and the principles of God's kingdom are only, you can have your best life now. Sorry to quote a particular book. <laughs> if that's all it is, then it's the same as every other kingdom of the world. Driven by selfishness, by the lust of our bodies, getting more for ourselves. Driven by the lust of our eyes. Driven by the pride of life, making a great name for ourselves. And I think that Jesus stands here on this mountain saying, My kingdom is not like anything else you know. And he lives it out and he shows us. He's going to go on, I think, in all of these Beatitudes that we read, I think the next sections of this um, particular sermon, I think, are him sort of explaining how that works its way out. Here's why blessed are the meek. Here's why blessed are, the, are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Here is, here is how all of this works out. You are the light of the world. Uh, I was going to say a few minutes ago, and I, I interrupted myself. I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> 
I was going to say that I think uh, I just showed this to Silas the other day. We were looking at a picture uh, from the International Space Station, and it was shining down during the nighttime. And you see, and this was actually of Florida and of Georgia and stuff like that. And you could see Tallahassee, these bright lights right there, right? I mean, it's kind of small. But uh, then you look at like Jacksonville, right? And it's like this, this massive thing of light, right? It's all dark everywhere else. You can see sort of the outline of the, the, um, the state itself. And, but you see the bright lights in the cities right there, you know, uh, as you look at it from, those, uh, from the International Space Station uh, at night. So, um, <laughs> it's okay. I can answer it. It's fine. <laughs> it's a good song. <laughs> it's okay. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Um, I, I have heard d- different ways, I think, to talk about this idea of being the light of the world. And some of them are like, you need to make yourself the light of the world. And I always thought that was real weird, because Jesus just like makes this, you are the light of the world. It's just it's a flat-out statement. You're... If you're in his kingdom, you're different than the rest of the world. You've been born from above. The question is how we are letting our light shine, right? <laughs> or not. <clears throat> don't, don't hide it under a bushel. No. Come on, you guys. You can work with me here, right? Have you not? Sorry, Come on. <laughs> you, we all were, <laughs> right? Hide it under a bushel. No, right? <laughs> I'm going to let it shine, right? let your light so shine in other words let it shine in a way because you are light let your light shine in a way that that um the world that they those who don't know the Lord, that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven Think about the way that the church is viewed. And I also, I'm challenged to think about the way that I'm viewed by the people that I know that don't know the Lord. When they look at my life, how do they, how do they view me? What do they think of me? What do they think my life is about? I know that there are, we all like to uh, have prejudices and so... Uh, everyone does, and, and we jump to conclusions about people based on, you know, random statements about this is what I think on the internet and whatever. But I think, do my neighbors know me? Do the people around me know me? Do, that I, do they know that I love Jesus? Do they... Do they um, or do they think that I'm just um, out to rob them of their freedoms in the name of religious whatever? You know, Sometimes we can be very, uh, thank you, Internet, for giving everyone a voice. Terrible idea. <laughs> Terrible idea. <laughs> I think about it as it relates to what I do um, in my life. 
and the decisions I make, and I and I certainly fail. Um, I think about it as it relates to what I what I post on the internet. You know, let your light so shine before men that they that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I think about it for for us, like as a church, you know, what are we going to do in our community? What kind of voice will we have? If people, um, not that anyone would necessarily, but if one day uh, there were people in our community besides us <laughs> that knew about Refuge Christian Fellowship, what would be their impression of us? Would it, would it be that we are wanting to be faithful to Jesus and that we're serving our community by doing good? Um, or would it be some other thing? There's no, um, this doesn't, it's not something that just happens. It's rooted in our choices and how we choose to live and the decisions that we make in our marriages and the decisions that we make with our children and how we obey Jesus in every aspect of our lives because all that we are belongs to him. And our obedience to him becomes that light that then points people to him. Jesus had said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Hearing that might drive me to say, I don't really want anybody to know. <laughs> Maybe I'll avoid some persecution. Sometimes we make those kinds of choices. Let your light so shine. Let me see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said in John 15, Verse 8, uh, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. What is the fruit that we ought to be producing in our lives that glorifies the Father? I think that's simple and not. <laughs> it's both. Paul says it pretty plainly. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the desires of your body. Walk in the Spirit of God and you won't Fulfill. You won't be given over to the lusts of your body. For the, the flesh or the body lusts against the spirit or fights against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is a rebuke to false teachers that had been saying to uh, the Galatian Christians that if they were really following Jesus, they also needed to keep Torah. 
they needed to keep the law of Moses, okay? including being circumcised, right? And a lot of these Gentiles were like, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. He's going to list for us what it looks like to be driven by the lusts of our bodies. Here's what it looks like. This is Galatians 5. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, uh, fornication, which is a very unspecific word. It's a generic word for sexual immorality. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery or, or witchcraft, we might say. The word is um, pharmakia, usually. It's the word, word we get our, our word for pharmacy from. Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> Idolatry, sorcery, hatred. <laughs> I'm struck by, like, years of deep-seated like hatred of one people group to another people group and yet it's just it's a work of the flesh it's hatred contentions being contentious jealousies wanting something that someone else has maybe it's some physical thing. Maybe it's just the honor that someone else has. Maybe it's the prestige that they have. We're jealous of it. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Glad none of us have ever had any of those. You guys are perfect. <laughs> Selfish ambitions. Being driven by wanting selfish things for ourselves, just for us. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, wild partying, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who, for those who practice such things, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. That, that is characteristic of the whole world. All of those things. And have been as long as people have been around. It's also characteristic of our old nature. Right? That's why it's so natural. All of those things are very natural to us. Jealousies and envy, some more than others, right? Some of us struggle in some area more than another area, but all of these things are true for us. And you may be tempted in some particular one of these or, or some particular area of these more so than I am, and I am in a different area more so than you are. It's irrelevant. <clears throat> Just uh, as I also told you in time past, that those who are practicing such things, those who've, who've given themselves to them, and this is their practice. Right? Think of a, a doctor's practice, right? That's what they do. They're 
practicing, right, all the time. I wish they knew what they were doing. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> it's a bad joke. <laughs> Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But here's the contrast, right? All of that is, is uh, of the flesh, is of our old nature. And, and it drives relationships, it drives families. Kelly and I have, I don't know why we do things like this to ourselves. We watch this show called Life PD. It's like new cops, basically. <sighs> the world is a mess, y'all. <laughs> it's just a mess. They just follow officers around uh, and, and just record what they're doing. And, and it's... Uh, but, you know, if you watch Cops, it's, like, all from, like, the, the 80s and, like, early 90s, you know. Um, but uh, this one is, like, they do it live, uh, usually. So uh, it's um, things that are happening this year, you know, and whatever. <clears throat> Here's the contrast, though. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, against such, there is no law. There's no law from God that outlaws that stuff. In fact, there's no law from men that outlaw any of those things either. Do you realize that? Isn't that so cool? It's not illegal to be kind or to be faithful. It's not illegal to love. To have joy or peace. To be patient. To have goodness, gentleness, to control yourself. Against such there is no law. See, those who are the Messiahs, those who are Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. All the stuff he had previously listed. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, right? There's this sort of twofold thing, like you say you live in the Spirit, well then let this be your practice. Walk in the Spirit. Do this. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And my Father is glorified in this, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit. Well, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22, as we read, the fruit of the Spirit is love. We could really stop right there, but Paul clarifies what that looks like for us, right? Um, the fruit, it's a singular word, the fruit of the Spirit is love. joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Say, Lord, help me, to, help me to love my wife like this, with kindness, with gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Help me to do that, Lord. Help me to love my kids like this, with joy, peace, with patience. <laughs> <laughs> see the thing about kids is 
they are you. That's the problem with them. <laughs> They're just like you. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, to walk in love. And these are the, the attitudes, this is the direction that God is conforming us into. As I read this, and maybe you do too, you, sense a, uh, you have a sense of failure. Yes. And you should. <laughs> because what we're talking about is perfection, right? God is perfect. But what we are on is a, a process of being transformed. We are being sanctified. We are being set apart. And there are, there are, are things that we have to do with it in, in this sense. Like Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's, it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Right? So, so God is working in you. God wants this. And there's this incredible reality that he, he partners together with us. Like this is, <coughs> this is shocking to me. That maybe there are times, it sounds like somebody's making coffee. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> somebody's making some coffee. Um, <laughs> but there are areas in my life where this incredibly patient God is saying, I've been waiting for you to confess this to me. I want to help you. And maybe there's a, a difficulty that has arisen. Maybe there's some trouble that comes up that brings it to the head, right? And you realize, man, why am I like that? And God, by His Spirit, is just laying His finger on it and saying, I, I want to deal with this now. And it's taken this trouble in your life maybe to, to reveal it to you or it's taken this circumstance or this situation you find yourself in so that you see it now because you didn't see it before. We are arrogant people, and our, and our arrogance blinds us to so much about ourselves. <clears throat> and yet Jesus still says to his hearers, you are the light of the world. can't help but be struck by this incredible sense of awe that he is, he is so patient. He is so good to us and kind with us. So if we live in the Spirit, and you do, you've been given life in the Spirit if you've believed him, that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead, if you trusted in him and called on him for salvation to, to rescue you. He's given you of his spirit. So if we live in the spirit, and you, you do, you're alive in the spirit if you believed him. And let us walk in that spirit. And the fruit, the consequence, the result, what that spirit produces the Spirit of God, what it produces in us is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. 
See, because if I'm saying to the world, there's cancer in you and it's killing you, it's called sin, and there is one cure. But I look like everybody else and I act like everybody else driven by their cancer. Then it, it doesn't make sense for anybody to say, oh yeah, sure, you've got the cure, right? <laughs> we begin to discredit our own message. When we as followers of Jesus begin to say, oh, you need to come to Jesus because he changes you. And then we act just like everyone else. <laughs> driven by selfish ambitions and envies and jealousies, carnal fleshly desires. Yeah, I, it's, it's heartbreaking. I was just reading a story about this, about a guy, a pastor who he, he's stepped away now, but uh, he, he's been you know, accused of all of these things now, um, just inappropriate use of funds and and sort of domineering over people and all sorts of stuff. And then they, somebody did an article that just said that now there have been like three or four people as a part of his church that have said that he tried to hire them to hire a hitman to kill somebody. You know, and you're like, what is going <laughs> on here? It's wild, you know. I, I mean, I, there certainly we can recount all sorts of stories about all sorts of things. And, I don't think there's any necessarily any benefit in looking at any anything and saying, well, we're going to change the perception of the way that America views Christians. I think that's too big. Because you can't really do that anyways. But um, if you let your light shine in your marriage by obeying Jesus and walking in love, then you're going to look different. Your marriage will look different. If you let your light shine by faithfully loving and serving your children and discipling them, caring about them, wanting them, I hate to even say that, but it seems like the world doesn't even want kids. I'm not just talking about the abortion thing, though that's part of it. We just pawn them off on everybody else and just get them out of our hair. We have them and they're the greatest joy in our lives. Let somebody else deal with them. Why? Why do I do that? Why aren't they valuable to me? They don't because they don't add anything to my prestige or my honor in the eyes of others maybe I don't know <clears throat> but it's a culture that we live in right so we say Lord how can we demonstrate that your kingdom's different it's different it's different the kingdom of the heavens is different than any of the kingdoms of the world this is what Jesus is teaching us in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's pray. <coughs> um, Father, we need your help. <laughs> we need your help to obey. We need your help, Lord, to see areas in our lives that are, that are still uh, contrary to your way. 
uh, while maybe there are there are a lot more forms of application of, of what this looks like that we can find and wrestle with my prayer is that we would be doing that lord that we would be asking you to change us and we would be saying lord let your kingdom come your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven you said that you do that through us through your church you've given us your spirit lord <clears throat> so i know that sometimes we want to legislate and we want to control everybody else in all these different ways but but frankly the problem I have is that too often I can't control myself, Lord. And I need you to help. We need your help, Lord. <coughs> because you have been so kind to us. So incredibly gracious. And we've deserved none of it. It's just the whole point. I don't, I don't want for one day for my kids to say that while I acted like I followed Jesus, I didn't really do that at home. Or for my wife to say that. Or anybody. You are the king of the universe, Father. And you have brought us into your perfect kingdom. Not because we were deserving, we aren't. But because you chose to love us. In spite of our rebellion. And knowing that, knowing that we have already been accepted, certainly we ought to then know that because we are accepted, you will work in us. You will transform. You will continue the good work that you've begun in us. And Father, we want to pursue that. Make us into people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, even if nobody sees it. Even if we can't hang up our hungering after thirst, hungering and thirsting after righteousness diploma. Maybe nobody will ever pat us on the back for being meek or being merciful, or mourning, or weeping over a broken world, weeping over our own brokenness, Lord. Maybe nobody will ever pat us on the back, and we will never be recognized. But um, I know that that's kind of part of the point. Or would you would you make us into people who are faithful to you, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the outcome, because you've said that you would reward in your kingdom and that it will be worth it. Lord, would you continue to mold us and shape us? Please do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace, you guys. Seriously.